Hayyim Yayim Beis El. Today is the second day of El. Says the Rebbe the following. B'nai Yisrael Nikru Eretz Chayfetz. The Jewish people are called a desirable land. This is the prophet of Malachi. Who's the last of the small prophet of the of the prophets in general? The era of prophecy, the last book of prophets. He lived actually in the beginning of the second base Hamikdash. So he's already uh, way after many of the prophets who are prophesizing, you know, two hundred years before the destruction of the first temple. So the Malachi in chapter three, he prophesizes how Mashiach's going to come and the Goyim are going to praise the Jews and they're going to recognize and say that you are a desirable land. So simple pshat of the Pasuk is that our land, the Eretz Yisrael, is a desirable land. However, the words literally are, right, that you are a desirable land. So he says, what does it mean? Now we're taking it literally. This is a pshat of the Balshamtiv. It's interesting. In the original letter, it's quoted in the name of the Balshemtiv, and it's famously in the name of the Balshemtiv. But here, the Hayyim Yayim doesn't bring that; just says it as a fact. I'm saying, just says it. Interesting. I don't know. It's very unusual to have that. Meaning, it's uh, in Hayyim Yayim, uh, the Rebbe is very into Eimer Daver B'Shem Eimrei. We'll even have. We just had yesterday that some Tzedek heard when he was nine years old from the Altar Rebbe in the name of the Magid, in the name of the Balshemtiv, in the name of Meirei Hayyidua. Right, the, the the line, the tradition. I don't know. I, it's a, I just thought of the question. I don't know why over here it would just say the vart, not in the name of the Balshemtiv. Fine. In any event, what's pshat? Well, we have the classic explanation that Rebbe always explains that we don't, when you internalize a vart, that it becomes your vart, and you explain it and expound it, and and, and it's completely your own. Then, uh, then not necessarily does the din of having to say it the shemeimri. It's not that person's anymore. It's yours. Your chiddush, so you could say that the rabbeim. This is so internalized. This is so the essence of the approach, especially of the Friedrich Rebbe's approach and the Rebbe's approach of how to look at a Jew. That it's, it's a whole new word. It's a whole new. Uh, it's a whole new Yiddish guy. It's a whole new understanding, even beyond what the Balshemtiv taught. So he says, a Jew is a desirable land. What does that mean? That means they're like a land. You have to look at them literally like a land, and they have very precious items. Precious stones, precious gems, rubies, gold, silver, oil, gas, you name it. A Jew is full of, of precious items, very, very precious. And generally speaking, you could divide it into three things. Right? You know the famous Gemara in Brachis that the Eitzir Shal Yerushalayim. Everyone has a treasure storage house, huge treasure, bigger than the storage of the of space of Google for all their information, right? The, the, as the Eitzir of Yerushalayim by a Jew. So the Rebbe here says there's really an Eitzir. There's Ava. There's love of God. There's fear of God. There's Midas Tavis. But what's the problem? You gotta dig. The matter of revealing these good traits is dependent on the ma'ayr, the one awakening, the one doing the awakening, the one who uh, has to arouse it. It's clear, it's absolutely clear. Now that I mentioned a different thing, not just precious items. Everyone has, everywhere has a fountain of living water. It's interesting. Scientifically, I guess, if you dig deep enough, there's Mayim Chaim everywhere. You just have to reach it. Um, the, uh, right? 
Um, you know, I was just learning, I'm learning in Sakhta Mikvais now. There's, there's, there's where the fountain is actually literally bubbling forth from there. It, it, it's coming out. And then where it, it actually is still. In other words, you could have still Mayim Chaim. It's, it, meaning, you, you, it's, I guess that's like a well. Right? If, that's what we did here? So why didn't we just use that? And it has to bubble? You can't just use a well when you hit it? You sure? Halachically? Interesting. Because simple reading of the Mishnayis, it has a little bit of a different din, but the pile it's a kosher mikvah. You don't have the mile of a Maya now. You have rainwater. Okay, there's nothing better than a Maya. Uh-huh. No, but it definitely definitely has a mile even of a Maya in certain senses. Anyways, not getting distracted. Here the Rebbe says... It's barer that in all the chelke adama there's mayonis mayim chayim. So in other words, there is mayim. It is mayim. Living waters, living waters. What's the difference? I have to act bekiravidicha. The chashayla is the question is how deep you dug. I don't know how deep they dug here, they dug here until they reached it. Fifty feet. So in the letter of the Friedrich Rebbe, the original letter here, he says some places you dig eight or ten feet and you already hit it. And then you just have to dig another another three four feet, and you and the, and the Mayan is is revealed. The Rebbe says in the letter sometimes you have to dig a hundred feet and even more until you reach the Mayan. So he says if so, it comes out that it's all dependent in Cain. Hakil haloi hakil tolly ba'choifer v'kayach savlanusay u'misinusay. It comes out that it's all dependent upon the digger and the capacity of his patience and how long he could wait. In other words, by the way, fascinating, you meet a Jew, you say there's no hope, right? The problem is if you know that there's water there, and you know what you have to do? You have to chip away at the rocks. You have to chip away at the earth, at the rocks. And just because you didn't reach it, some places it takes 100 feet of digging, but you know that it's there. As long as you know with 100% certainty that it's there, then really you have to realize it's your, it's, everything's totally on how, patient you, you're, how much patience you have, how much you're willing to keep going at it. Of course, you have to keep digging, but you chip away, you chip away, you chip away, and eventually you're going to hit the living waters. Says the Friedrich Rebbe, now he uses the concept, using Chesidus, that nothing stands in the way of willpower. There's nothing in the world more powerful than willpower. Willpower can overcome anything and everything. It's a total, it's like, it's similar to the concept of Mesidus Nefesh in, in, in any sense. It's completely irrational. It doesn't, if you want it, you can make it a reality, no matter what. It says, The strongest force in the human body. If you learn Samach Vav, you'll see, the willpower is the strongest force by a, by a person. And it decrees, like a commander, it commands all of the faculties and it forces them. It doesn't have a conversation with them. It absolutely forces them. According to his commands. The primary comes out that the primary work is to awaken this ratzin, this willpower. To accomplish and to do both in yourself and in others. In other words, <laughs> Sometimes you have to dig up your own fountains and wellsprings and chafatzim yakarim of love of God, of fear of God, of midis taivais.
right? All of these things you have to dig up in yourself. Um, the, the example he gives in the letter is with yourself, to force yourself to have set times to study Torah every single day and to keep to them, and your friend to awaken him to start keeping certain mitzvahs and to set a time, time to study Torah and be this tivis, um in general. And, uh, and this letter actually originally was written to a Jew who writes to the Friedrich Rebbe that in the Chol HaEmek, that's like in Israel, the whole valley, all along the coast, the only place with the mikveh, he tells the Friedrich Rebbe, is in Afula. Afula, a city called Afula. Yeah. The Friedrich Rebbe is, is very upset at him. The Rebbe says, what's the kritis that Rebbe says? I can't believe you came to Eretz Yisrael. You've already been living there five or six weeks. And then, Eretz, you write to me a letter that maybe I should do something about it. Or you say how sad it is. The Rebbe said, the second you came to Eretz Yisrael, the second you saw there's no mikveh, why didn't you start giving speeches in, in public about how severe the Isr is, the prohibition of not going to the mikveh is, and how the terrible effects it has on the children, um, how it will affect them and their lives for the, for the rest of their lives, and the goydal ha'azos, and how it could be such chutzpah to, 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 to go against the mitzvahs in Eretz Yisrael, it's like laughing at the king in his house, and you should have spoken in a clear language and with a, or with a truly broken heart, the Rebbe says, what is this? You're, you're, and the Rebbe says, and if you do it, you're going to accomplish. If you actually, you know, if we're, if, if, so you, you just have to dig. So that's the letter, that's the context. Sfit Rebbe is saying that it's really, you have to take responsibility. And it's all dependent on whether you have the patience to do it, whether you have the koyach to do it. And stop holding other people responsible, basically. In other words, everything you see is your fault. Everyone have a great day.